This episode is sponsored by Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management, experienced wealth managers who go above and beyond to guide and support you. CanDo is more than just an attitude. CanDo is navigating today for a brighter tomorrow. Visit CanDoWealth.com. Hello and welcome to Coffee House Shots. I'm James Heal and I'm joined today by Fraser Nelson and Isabel Hardman. Now, Fraser, today Rishi Sunak's been in Japan signing the Hiroshima Accord, but he's also been asked about migration by the lobby reporters who are accompanying him on his trip over there ahead of the G7 tomorrow. Tell us about his comments and the context in which they're occurring. Well, this is a bit of a sore point for Rishi Sunak. The Tory manifesto said they would bring migration down, and next week we're expecting gigantic migration numbers, a league of 700,000 or 800,000. So this is a vast multiple of the tens of thousands uh, figure which David Cameron promised, but also Suala Braverman, the Home Secretary herself, reaffirmed her commitment to this. So she will now be asked, well, why, therefore, is the target seven or eight times what you said it would be? Now, Sunak himself, um, he's not a great believer in this because what effectively has happened is he has uh, adopted a regime where he has agreed, basically, to listen to the pleas of business who want more migrants. Um, And uh, in my view, welfare reform could have done a lot of that labour supply work, but for whatever reason, that's not being done. And so Sunak has said, um, I've inherited some numbers, I want to bring the numbers down. Well, he's making a pretty bad job of that. Now, you could argue, by the way, that the 700,000 net migration figure, that was for all of last year, 2022. He only became prime minister at the end of that year. So would it be difficult to bring them down from 700,000? Probably not. But this isn't quite the Brexit arrangement that so many thought that they were going to be getting when controlling migration was absolutely seen to be one of the main objectives. Yes, and uh, you mentioned Brexit there. That Obviously, those comments yesterday by Keir Starmer on Brexit probably overshadowed the speech he was giving yesterday at three o'clock at the British Chamber of Commerce, Isabel. Talk us through that speech and really what Starmer's pitch is here. So the comments that have been picked up uh, by everyone are, if we want economic growth, we've got to have a closer trading relationship. And that's what we will aspire to do when we come into government. We need to reduce barriers and we can do that without being part of the single market or the customs union. Uh, And there are a lot of questions about what Keir Starmer would do to, as he has badged it, make Brexit work. Is that just moving on with the current uh, relationships? No one really thinks that. Uh, The suspicion is that he will do a lot to bring Britain and Europe closer together. What does that mean? To what extent has Brexit been done, as as Boris Johnson promised? Um, It's quite... It's much easier for Keir Starmer to make the case for changes uh, to the the post-Brexit relationship, given how rocky things have been. And given, as Fraser's cover piece in The Spectator shows this week, given immigration, one of the the big debates during the Brexit campaign has not... Uh, does not appear to be under control, even for for those who wanted to control it. We actually considered doing a cover piece this week looking at whether Labour might um, unwind some of Brexit. and because, of course, we know this, this what Starmer is saying is fits a theme. His definition of making Brexit work is basically code for 
trying to get a closer relationship. But does that basically mean that he might do what the Norwegians did? Norway's political class were sort of devastated when they lost the referendum and the Norwegians didn't want to join the EU. So they therefore, they effectively signed up doing a whole bunch of things you don't need a referendum for, uh, joining the single market and whatnot. But the reason we didn't do a cover story in this is we asked around and we could work out that First of all, how do you define Brexit? We figured single markets, customs union, ECJ, you'd have to be out with all of those three. Mm. If you are, then yes, you have left the EU. And I don't think there's any serious um, suggestions that Labour would want to reverse any of those three. For example, you can't go in the customs union if you're a member of a CTTP um, trade deal that we recently signed up that prohibits member states from joining any other groups. So... I suspect, I could be wrong, that Starmer's position is mainly rhetorical, but he'll say he wants a closer relationship, he'll say he wants to make Brexit work, he'll come up with some Remain-friendly language, but of course he learnt the last time around what happens in many of these Labour seats if you um, come across as insincere on Brexit. I'm not quite sure how many tools he's got at his disposal. I suppose Britain could always promise to mirror EU regulation, but I'm not quite sure if that would translate into any favours or any reduction in the border friction, which is a lot worse than many Brexiteers had thought it was going to be. But it's a, a very interesting question. How safe is Brexit under Keir Starmer? And right now, since certainly our given that we came very close to saying it wasn't safe, our investigations concluded that it probably was. But it's something to keep an eye on, because you never can tell how far this dial will move. Mm. It's interesting, obviously, his speech yesterday focused on house building. Our cover this week is on immigration. Uh, do you think there's perhaps a chance of sort of one party trying to sort of wheel the two together and saying that the two crises are linked? Because at the moment it seems to be about planning and regulation. But do you think there's potentially some fertile ground there for a party to kind of capitalise on the issue? There is very fertile ground there. Um, Nigel Farage is on Spectator TV this week, and he talks about an anger deficit, as he says, a sort of um, and sorry, an anger gap. Uh, and that gap is by people who are saying, "Look, immigration means I can't buy a house, I can't get a place for a school kid, place for my kid, I can't get a GP appointment." Those things come hand in hand with demographic pressure. The Labour Party will not be filling that gap, of course. It's not going to complain about too many immigrants. Farage was saying that basically um, Richard Tice can't really do that because nobody's heard of the Reform Party. The Reform Party levelled something like 300 candidates in the local elections. It got something like five or six of them elected. That does seem to have been tried and failed, the Reform Party, which obviously raises the question, who's it going to be? Um, Farage was saying it's either going to be a Nick Griffin figure, BNP, or a Nigel Farage figure, wink, wink. So let's see if Farage thinks of there's a Farage-sized hole in British political landscape right now. And talking of holes in the political landscape, uh, the Tory mayoral grace has been heating up this week uh, with uh, Paul Scully, the latest name to enter the field. Uh, so, Isabel, Paul Scully is the seventh Conservative candidate to enter the mayoral field. Uh, what do you make of him and his chances? So, Paul Scully is Minister for London. He is... Um, pausing his activities as Minister for London, which I think suggests that it's not the most important ministerial post. If you're able to just say, you know, everything will be fine while I seek the Conservative candidacy uh, for mayor, and if I'm unsuccessful, I'll return to being a minister, and if I'm successful, then I'll resign as being a minister. There's not that many other portfolios I can think of where a minister would just say, I'm not going to do any work, but I'm also not quitting. Bye. He's, I think, as you say, the seventh candidate, the seventh likely candidate um, to be Conservative uh, candidate for mayor. 
a lot of the topics uh, that the party is going to campaign on. If you listen to Rishi Sunak at, at Prime Minister's Questions, when pretty much every single week he wants to talk about the ultra low emission zone uh, that Sadiq Khan is is widening out uh, across bits of the capital that Conservative MPs are very angry about because they say it's hitting their working class constituents who are just trying to you know do their plumbing jobs or or who are disabled even though you tend to have quite a few exemptions to the um, to the ultra low emission zone um, for uh, people with disabilities and so on. But it's a really controversial matter and it's something that they want to say that Labour has imposed upon London, a bit like Labour would impose housing and concrete over the countryside. Oh, thank you, Fraser. Thank you, Isabel. And thank you for listening to Coffee House Shots.